Father God, I just thank you for Evan T. I just thank you um, for the word that he's got to bring today. I just thank you, God, that you've been preparing his heart and preparing his words um, in the in the recent days and just pray lord that your spirit will just speak through him this morning pray that you touch each of us here with the message that you've got for us and just pray that you'll bless evans as he brings this this morning amen thank you very much laura good morning thank you worship team and thank you joyce for getting me to dance <laughs> i'm already tired but i believe the lord is my strength <laughs> Um, I was speaking this morning on the twin um, message, unity and maturity. Um, I know I most of the times go over my time, but today I've gotten a, an accurate timekeeper to keep me right. <laughs> mm. um, sorry, let me get my eye. Unity and maturity. Uh, we are starting the ball rolling with unity uh, from our reference point is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 to 22. What it is, unity from the dictionary is defined as oneness or a condition of harmony or a totality of related parts. Paul admonished us as Christians to unite and his admonishment was anchored on the word or the mission of Christ and that in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 11 to 22 Paul talk about Jews and Gentiles two different group of people that Paul talk about and then he was trying to ask them to come together to unify in unity for the work of the Lord. So Jews and Gentiles, who are they? The Jews are the citizens of Israel, while the Gentiles are the non-citizens. The Jews were the people who were chosen by God, but the Gentiles could be described as pagans. And the Jews were the people who were covenanted. They were promised of the land flowing with milk and honey. In Genesis chapter 17, verse 18, and Exodus chapter 3, verse 8. But then the Gentiles, they were promised of the kingdom of God. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3 to 10. And a whole lot of references about the kingdom of God. Once again, the Jews were circumcised in Genesis chapter 17, verse 10. Whilst the Gentiles are uncircumcised. So these are the difference, the key difference between the Jews and then the Gentiles that Paul was asking them to come together in the body of Christ. So the question, the first question is that could the Jews ever yoke with the Gentiles? Since you have known the differences, were there an occasion that they were ever together with the Gentiles? The relationship between the Jews and the Gentiles from the Old Testament could be described as master and servant relationship. The Gentiles became servants to the Jews. Sometimes the, the Jews bought them as slaves. Irrespective of the differences, they could come together through a very painful experience called circumcision. 
So in Ezra chapter 12, verse 48 to 49, God told the, the Jews, his chosen, that don't allow the Gentiles to yoke with you. Don't allow them to be part of the Passover meal. Now, if any Gentiles try to or decide to be part, he has to go through the circumcision. Hallelujah. He has to go through this pain. That Gentiles need to be circumcised because they don't carry the, the, the covenant. They don't carry the, your, your blessing. I have covenanted you. I have promised you. And the, and the key to the promise was the, cov the covenant to circumcise your male children for blood to come down, for blood to be poured. So for them to be part of you and to share in my blessing, they have to pass through that pain. So they were sacrificed. Prices had to be paid and blood had to be poured down in order for the Gentiles to be part of the Jews. Amen. I believe that not all the Gentiles were able to go through this pain. Not all. Because of the pains that was associated with that. So therefore, in the plan of God, there should be an intervention. So God sent Jesus Christ onto the earth. So Jesus coming was in two folds. The first one was to reveal the kingdom. Our reference point is Luke chapter 4, verse 18 to 21. And then the second one, most importantly, to reconcile the lost, which means the, the Gentiles, to the Father. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 to 15. So Jesus came onto the, in the, on the earth, came to reveal himself that I am the Lord. I came from the Father. If you seek for the kingdom, I am the one. Though the kingdom stands for king and his dominion. So the king is Jesus and his dominion is whatever he brought from heaven with him. Hallelujah. So Jesus revealed himself to the Gentiles. And the second one is to reconcile the Gentiles, which is you and I, the lost. We who are not part of the covenant, back to the Lord. Amen. Jesus was able to do this by employing two methods. The first one was the physical intervention. There was the groundswork. Hallelujah. The groundswork that we saw in the story of uh, Jesus and the, the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4, verse 5 to 10. We all know that there was a feud between the Samaritans and then the Jews. Conflict. There was, they, they didn't say anything together. So Jesus wanted to bring them to the Father, wanted to reconcile and unite, unite them, went straight to, the, to preach. Now, the question that the lady asked could tell, could tell us the, the, the intensity of the field. The lady said, when Jesus asked of water, he said, how can, how can a Jew ask me, Samaritan woman, for water? Even ordinary water, sharing ordinary water was a problem. Hallelujah. But then, through the interaction between Jesus and the lady, Jesus was able 
to reveal himself, talk to the lady, convince the lady for the lady to believe in him. And then Jesus used the lady as a source to get thousands and thousands and thousands of Samaritans. Hallelujah. So through unity, Jesus was able to win thousands of thousands of Samaritans. So that is the first method that Jesus used to reconcile the lost, the pagans, the Gentiles, to the Jews. Amen. Jesus did a groundwork, a groundwork of preaching the gospel, a groundwork of telling the people who he is, first of all, and who his father is. Amen. Then the second thing that Jesus did was offer some sort of spiritual intervention, which is, which is sacrificing on the cross and paying our debt. Hallelujah. Now, Jesus sacrificing, dying for us, means that he paid the price that we, the Gentiles, could not have been paid. The pains that we, they had to go through to be circumcised, in order to qualify as God's people, in order to partake in the Passover, Jesus paid that price for, for, for we the Gentiles. Amen. So this is the second method that Jesus used to unite the Jews and then the Gentiles. And then, so that was the concern of Paul. So Paul's concern was to reacquire the purpose that Jesus came into, into the earth and to accent the Gentiles, and then the Jews to unite for the common goal of building the body of Christ. Amen. So this is, God, uh, this is uh, Paul's purpose. So what is MCC's response? The church, this church. What is our response to uh, Paul's call? Our response uh, is captured... Um, in a three-minute video, I found this video of John uh, on our Facebook uh, page. <laughs> John summarizes the response of this church. And I believe he recorded this video during the lockdown. So I, I think I found the day to be somewhere June, June 2020. So it was on the event of the killing of uh, George Floyd. So John bemoan the killing of George Floyd in the first place. Then he acknowledged that even though the killing, everybody was bashing an American of the killing and in the largest extent racism, John being a British recognized that it's not only an American thing, but racism and then the sense of slavery and poor treatment of other races are real, even here in the UK. Hallelujah. And then he intimated the church, MCC's agenda, which is to welcome all skin colors into this church. Hallelujah. And then when he was ending, he ended by encouraging all of us, all races, all of us to welcome all races into our homes and our workplaces and areas of our social lives. Amen. So, the video anchors the church vision. Amen. This is what MCCE, for the past three, four to five years of 
me being here, I've seen the church to be. The question is that, is what John said, is it just a rhetoric or is reality? Hallelujah. Is it a rhetoric or is it reality? I believe a lot of us bear witnesses of this fact. Now, the first picture, if you can see clearly, is uh, International Night. I think uh, Laura mentioned it. Hallelujah. So, this is, these are some of the stuff that the church is introducing. The church as, a, as an entity is introducing to bring different races together into unity and to build up the body of Christ. Hallelujah. So under the auspices of Caroline, they and, and, and his her team, they have been able to organize a successful back-to-back of international entities. Hallelujah. And then from the first picture, you could see our brother and sisters from India. Uh-huh. I've seen my Ghana flag there. I think. <laughs> yes. Yes. I think, yeah. I think my, my ladies treated them with uh, sumptuous meals, right? And then you yeah, your love rice. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and then the second and third pictures, could see, you could see that uh, one of ours have been given the opportunity, like I'm doing now, to stand in the pulpit and preach. It's not easy. Even my old church, the church that I came from, yes, I was a branch pastor somewhere. But the main church, there was this philosophy that for you to be given the microphone to preach at the main church was, a, was an issue. It's really real for some churches to give their platform for people to, 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 to preach. But MCC, hallelujah. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you very much. So, apart from me, you see my brothers, Femi, Sam, and a whole lot of us have been given the opportunity to preach. They have been given the opportunity to sharpen our skills in the Lord. God bless you, MCC. Amen. And then you see, uh-huh, the, the next one, not only preaching, but the MCC has also given opportunity for some of us to also serve in some capacities. You can see my, my sister, Adi, and then and my, my own, Linda. And then, yeah. Yeah, serving tea and coffee. <laughs> now, now, obviously, as someone mentioned, when it comes to Puff Puff, when it comes to Puff Puff, we give it to Adi and, and her people. But then, Adi and her people knows that if it comes to Jollof Rice, oh, no, no competition. <laughs> Not only that, uh, you could see our brother participating in the, in the, uh, the, the worship team, you know? And then, ah, as usual of her, that is my mother, you know, Joyce, you know. <laughs> and then our, our kids are also not left out. And then, yeah, sisters, 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 ladies, hello, yeah, they are also part. So as the church, MCC, as an entity, has put in place plans to incorporate, to bring all of us, who could be termed as Gentiles, not part of the British, into this church, and then giving us role, hallelujah, to sharpen our skills 
to develop our skills just for the body of Christ. Amen. So this is what Paul was talking about. Amen. It's not only the, the church as, as an entity, but there are some individuals in the church who are helping what we could be described as Gentiles, the foreigners, to make sure that we are entertained, to make sure that we feel at home. Let me start from my own. Somebody told me that you always talk about yourself. Yes, because of privacy, I would like to talk about myself first. I came, somebody introduced the church to me and brought me around late 2017 or first month of 2018. But I'll tell you that for the first two years, I was, I could be described as a visitor. Because the mindset that I came here with was not to be a member of the church. It was to be visiting. So the first two years, visiting. Sometime I come, and then two months, you won't see me here. But two things happened that made me sit up a bit. You see our mother here, Hazel, those of you who were here for the past four or five years, she used to sit this side of the auditorium. And then whenever we, me and my wife come, we sit either here or there. But she makes sure that after church service, when we are here, she will walk and then come and say hi to us. When she is not able, she will shout us. <laughs> and then... <laughs> And then, when we reach there, she will just give us a cuddle. So, she kept doing that. And I was wondering, ah, okay. Then the second one that got me here was that same period, about four years ago. Mars preached a message. As I was sat here, that message, to be fair, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't sit. So, when Mark finished, I quickly accosted him. Mark, can I get your, your notes? And then you know our marks. You know, okay, you look at me and then do 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 do. Okay. <laughs> I, be, I believe that he, he, he didn't have a copy, so he wanted to archive it. But the way I approached him, he looked at me and then willingly he handed over the note to me. I went back home and read the notes. Then I began to have a change of mind. Then somebody also went and gossip about me to the leaders. And then John started talking to me. John started pushing me. Jamie started pushing me. Our mother, Joyce, Helen, all the leaders, they started pushing me. Hallelujah. What was the purpose? The purpose was to unify. Amen. We, the Gentiles. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. For the common goal of building the body of Christ. Amen. So, before I go to the next one, because I've been signaled that I need to go to my next one. <laughs> is that our, our strength lies in unity. And then unity is the, is the greatest by, uh, strength, sorry, strength is the greatest byproduct of unity. Our reference is taken from Genesis chapter 11. We all know the story of the Tower of Babel. 
Now, the Tower of Babel has generally bad reasons. The bad reason was that when the people decided to build the tower, the reason attached to the, to, to, to the building of the tower made God cause them into confusion. The reading was pride. They said that they wanted to reach God. That was the pride. That was the main reason. However, the unity of purpose is something worth emulating. They came together to build something, to do something. Even though that was on their own, like it was like on very pride or proud, the unity of purpose is very much emulated has to be emulated by all of us. That when we are united, we could build something. We could develop. We could progress in life. Amen. Our next topic is ma uh, maturity, which is also taken from uh, Ephesians, chapter one, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 to 16. Now, maturity is the process or the stage of being fully developed. Now, it occurs in stages or process. So from the picture, three pictures. The first one is, is about uh, vegetables, specifically uh, tomatoes. And then the uh, stages of development in man. And then the stages of development as a Christian. So you could see that all of them passes through process, certain process. And the importance of this aspect of life uh, for us to appreciate um, the, the, the help that is needed in each of the process. Amen. So, if you are planting vegetables like tomatoes, the first one is the, the sprouting, the seed develop into sprouting stage. And then, it will develop until you get the fruit. Amen. Now, each stage has a different way of caring for it. For example, if you are supposed to apply fertilizer at the, at the initial stages, the sprouting sp stages, the letter that I read told me that you don't have to apply the solid form of fertilizer. They are liquid fertilizer and they are solid fertilizer. If you apply solid fertilizer at the initial stage, it will burn and then you won't get your tomato. It will burn the seed because it hasn't got the, 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 the root to absorb the fertilizer. So at that stage, we apply the liquid form of fertilizer. And at that stage, mostly, they are housed either in a greenhouse or on a nursery bed. If you plant them straight on the field, they will be burned. They cannot withstand the scorching sun because they haven't got enough strength to withstand the sun. Hallelujah. So it is in, Christian, in Christianity... In Christianity, the stages are that we are children, first, first of all. Then we, we develop into young Christian, and then we develop into maturing Christians. We need to understand each level of our growth. Amen. Failure to understand each level of our growth brings a lot of problems to us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So in, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 to 2, it says, like new convert, 
You should crave for pure spiritual milk. Hallelujah. Why didn't Peter ask us to crave for McDonald's or KFC? But rather asking us to crave for milk. Why? Because our digestive system has not fully matured to start eating McDonald's and KFC. Hallelujah. We have to go for milk. Amen. So that milk will build our body system. And then as we grow out, we will be able to withstand any shock. Amen. But the challenge is that most of us don't mature to how God wants us to mature. Amen. Mostly because of these issues. What I call, I don't know whether it's the right phrase, but I call it overreaching faith. Most of us have overreaching faith. Uh, faith sorry. We tend to do so many things beyond our faith. Romans chapter 12 verse 6 tells us that the grace, the gift that God gave us was given according to our level of faith. Hallelujah. According to our faith. Amen. So therefore, anything that we intend to do in the Lord, we have to do it according to our faith. Not to overreach our faith. If we overreach our faith, we may end up burning along the way. We may end up falling out and we will not mature to bear fruit that the Lord wants us to mature. Amen. There are so many stories that we have heard of people wanting to go to the, the morgue to pray and wake, and wake the dead bodies up because of this form of overreaching faith. They believe they have so much faith that whenever they go to the morgue, they can pray, and then all the dead bodies will, will be resurrected. Amen. They fail to recognize that Jesus, or God, giving gifts, work in according to our faith. Amen. The story of uh, Jesus traveling on a boat with his, with his, with his uh, disciples. Now, Jesus had... 12 disciples, four of them were fishermen. And they were experienced one indeed. However, when they were traveling this particular journey, they met a storm. And the storm was so strong to the extent that upon all the experiences of sailing gold, the, the, the boats and trying to overcome their previous storms, they could not overcome this particular storm. So in Matthew chapter 8, verse 23 to 27, when the storm became so much intense, and then they realized that they, they, they were going to perish, they had to call Jesus. Say, Father, we are perishing. They, they, they found out that their level of faith could not match the storm. So they had no option than to call Jesus. Hallelujah the one who wields so much power to command the storm to go away. Amen. So if we try to overreach our faith, sometimes we may be disappointed in life because we may be expecting certain miracles to happen in our life and it may not come. And along the way, we may fall out. Amen. The second challenge to our, our maturity is pride of life. 
Proverbs tells us that pride come before hallelujah. So if you are proud, if you are not humble, there's no way you could reach our goal. You will fall along the way. Amen. And then the third one is complacency and stagnation. Um, a story is made of the, the fig tree. Now the fig tree is good in the sense that that tree has had the benefit of sunshine, has had the benefit of water, has had the benefit of the nutrient in the, in the soil. So there was this legitimate expectation that after having all these benefits, it has to bear fruit. So when Jesus was hungry, he went, he went in there to go and take uh, fruit from this tree. But Jesus was disappointed. The tree could not bear fruit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is also a hindrance to our maturity, to our growth and development as a Christian. Sometimes we believe that the level that we are is enough. We don't want to go forward. Amen. I've watched some people, some pastors, that they, when they started, they were, they were using the Bible, they were reading the Bible, they were very, very, very down to earth. But they got to certain stages, they preached and they never quote the Bible again. Some of them even came to just talk against the Bible. Hallelujah. Then the last one is the, border, the, the bloodline and the way of life. Bloodline and the way of life is a very massive challenge to our maturity. This talks about transgenerational curses and, and blessing. In, in Exodus chapter 34 verse 7, the Bible says that I am the Lord that blesses up to the third, sorry, that curses up to the third and fourth generation. I can send the, 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 the father's blessing unto the, their children up to the third and fourth generation. Hallelujah. Now, in Genesis, the Bible said that Abraham chose a beautiful wife, Sarah. His son, Isaac, also chose a beautiful wife, Rebecca. Now, something happened. Now, because of the beauty of Sarah, the Bible said that Abraham lied about the identity of Sarah because Abraham thought that if you, tell, if you told the people that Sarah was his, his wife, they would kill Sarah. They would kill him and take Sarah. So Abraham lied about the identity of Sarah. It also happened that this same sin, if it's so-called sin, was transferred from Abraham to Isaac. Isaac also lied about the identity of his wife, Rebecca. The sins that Abraham committed was also transferred to Isaac because of this doctrine of the bloodline or transgenerational curses and blessings. Even though in Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 1 to 4, God said that I will no longer hold the sins of, of fathers or parents unto their son. So, the word of God exists because the Bible says that all other things will pass away, but my, my word will remain still. My word will never pass away. The, the blessings and the curses of our forefathers still exist, 
But this time, it doesn't happen to us automatically as it used to be because of Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 1 to 4. But what it does is that we have to activate it. Amen. We have to activate whatever blessing or curses in our, in our bloodline. For example, the Bible said that we carry the seed of Abraham. That blessing is there, so we are blessed. Until we activate that blessing, it will never come to us. Hallelujah. However, in the case of sin, we don't have to activate it. It's just like on the farmland. If you grow crops, you, you will not grow weeds, but the weed will come by itself, won't it? Because it's unwanted thing. Because sin is unwanted thing, we don't have to activate it, but Satan will use whatever sin in our bloodline against us. Whatever sins that our forefathers committed, Satan will use it against us. Amen. So, this doctrine is a bit of unconscious reality. We are not conscious of it, but, but it, it, it impedes our, our forward mass as Christians. Hallelujah. Irrespective of how you go in life, in your Christian life, sometimes you will be, be tested by the sins of your father. You'll be tested by things that pertain in your household. For example, if you grow up in a, in a household that are violence or so much abuse, abuse like child abuse or all forms of abuse, drug abuse, you may think that it is normal. And then you might grow with it. Regardless of your position in Christianity, regardless of your blessing, sometimes Satan will try to test you with it. Hallelujah. So that is the, the doctrine of the bloodline. The transgenerational blessing and then curses. So we have to be aware of these things so that we will be able to know what to do in order not to be fall out, in order not to be cut, cut out, in order to grow and mature in Christianity. Amen. So the conclusion is that after being bought with the blood of Jesus, and after being reconciled to his father, there's a strong expectation on us to mature and bear fruit so that his blood will not be in vain and that you will not be cut away like the fig tree. Amen. God bless you. Thank you, Evans. Wow, what a word to um, be brought this morning. It's really interesting, isn't it, that all of us are called to both of these things as Christians. We're all called to unity. We're all called to have unity with our brothers and sisters in Christ. But we're all called to this maturity as well. As Evan said there, when we become Christians, when we accept the blood of Christ for ourselves personally, that is our responsibility then to not just stay as babies drinking milk, but to mature and to grow in our faith, to grow and bear fruit, because that is how God can use us, isn't it? That's how God can use us to bring unity to the spheres of influence that we have into our workplaces, into our families, into uh, wherever we end up in the world. That's what God can use us for, to bring this unity and to grow in maturity.